What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Happiest Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Bilal, and joining me this week is Nicole. What's Hello. up, Nicole? Hello. Uh, Christian? How's it going? And the ghost of Daenerys' arc, Jed. <laughs> Nothing is, is sacred anymore. Jed, you seem really happy with this episode. Uh, Want to <laughs> dig in to that? Yes, I... Um... I'm very happy. I'm very pleased with everything that Game of Thrones has done for the entirety of season eight. It hasn't destroyed characters that I have grown to love over the course of seven seasons, eight seasons. I think uh, every decision that they've made from a writing perspective has been absolutely spot on. And uh, that about does it for this week's episode of Happy Moments <laughs> of Game of Thrones. Uh, new record for season eight, about 50 seconds. Um, now let's go into the problems. <laughs> um, oh, I'm dead inside. Oh, God. Um, entertaining episode to watch. Uh, episode five, season eight, The Bells. Uh, entertaining in the perspective that it was beautifully shot. Um, I think director mm-hmm. Miguel Sapa. Sap- I'm sorry, I'm butchering his name. Did a fantastic job. I think we got a much better visual delivery uh, than the Long Night, even if the Long Night was in color or <laughs> or it had lights. Um, I think uh, the Bells ends up delivering a much more visually entertaining episode. Outside of that, not much else to say about nice things for Game of Thrones. Uh, what about you guys? I liked Clegane Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> so fan servicey. I thought the episode was very well lit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Christian? All right, I've had Anything? it. I'm done. No, no more of this nice crap. This was like the worst episode I've seen in a very, very long time. They've butchered everything, everything, everything that made me like kind of hold back and say, maybe it'll get better. No, absolutely not. Screw Game of Thrones. Screw you, showrunners. I'm I'm done. I'm just done. And that's coming from me. I'm like the nicest guy in the universe. Guys, I've never been more attracted to Christian than I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh... Me and my family have a WhatsApp group that we started at the beginning of this season. Um, I think after episode two, because there's talks of creating one that everyone kind of got lazy. But, you know, this season has been a roller coaster. Like, the first episode, everyone's back, just kind of happy to see your favorite characters again. And, like, the first two episodes weren't bad. There's some really fun character interactions the second episode. But, like, we created that WhatsApp group, and it's just been a curse of just, like, bad episode after bad episode of what became a spot to share our love of Game of Thrones has been nothing but nitpicking the hell out of it. It's Um, funny that you say that, because if you go on Rotten Tomatoes right now, you will see a downhill slope of just going straight downwards of high scores from the very first episode to the bottom of the barrel of what it is now. It just goes straight downward. It's it's so crazy to me, because I think of Game of Thrones, and I think of season five hard home and oh my God. that last that second half hour of the episode of hard home is legit one of my favorite sections of tv period like it is such a phenomenal bit of television that is so well paced it's so well done and i can't believe i'm saying this because i hate Jon snow as a character <laughs> but i think that they did that so well they made me root for his character there was tension the music was great the lighting was good it was it had a a 
just a clear plot to it. All of the characters made sense. It's such a great bit of TV. And so to think of that, to think of that moment, which for me is pretty much the apex of excitement for Game of Thrones, to where we <laughs> ended up last night is so defeating. Yeah. I can't believe it. It it, it is it has been a journey for sure, and uh, apparently, uh, Lena Headey had the best contract ever in place for this final season because all she had to do was stare out of a window, and, and she someone... earned like a million bucks an episode, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something ridiculous. She, you know, she she's probably saw the script and was like, okay. Are you serious? But, but like, this is my question. Like, if you're an actor on this show, and you know how fandoms can be, like, everyone should know how fandoms can be. Like, if something goes wrong, the fandom turns. And I've never seen it, anything turn like this before. Um, at such a hot, like, such a high audience mm-hmm. level. And it's just mind-boggling that none of the actors said anything, or like HBO didn't step in at some point. Well, so. Amelia Clark, when she got the final script, didn't she go on like a three-hour walkabout of London just because she was so devastated by what she read? I think you're right. Yeah, from what I read, I, I did not read that. Oh, oh man, wow. she, I don't blame her. I don't blame her at all. I mean, can you can you imagine being Amelia Clark and who started off acting wise a little shaky on Game of Thrones and I mean, has really did. come into her own? as Danny. And so in for seven seasons, you have been this ruthless leader, but still a morally good person who's going to be queen of Westeros in the Seven Kingdoms. And then you get the script for season eight and you see this finale. You see these final two episodes and what your character has done. Holy shit. I'm surprised she walked back. Yeah. <laughs> All of those people who named their daughter Daenerys, I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, so I, I think I messaged, I forgot where I messaged this, but I think I sent it to Jen saying, like, you did, our yeah. friend Rob had named his daughter Arya. And I'm like, imagine he had named his Daenerys. daughter Daenerys. <laughs> um, or Khaleesi. Was, uh, oh, oh my god. Uh, I think Emily Andrus uh, had a good tweet about that. It's like, she, uh, she's like, I should have named my triplets Daenerys, Khaleesi. Uh, no. Yeah, Daenerys Khaleesi and the narrative arc of Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, something, something like that. Um, it, it's de- it's absolutely devastating. Um, god. I mean, right. let's, let's start this off with... the int- Not even the beginning of the episode, the previously on section. Where they oh decide... Oh my gosh. I've, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Where They've done this before. Has Game of Thrones done like Game of Thrones I, has so, done this before? I so, can't remember the ex, the uh, specific episode, but they have definitely done this this bullshit before with the so previously on. I I I've seen previously on sections where it's just like they might want to highlight something from the past or whatnot, but like in order to justify Daenerys's mad queen turn, they show that final clip uh, from the episode before where she's standing on the field in front of Cersei after uh, Missandei has been killed. And all these voices from her past start playing. I mean, this season hasn't been great, but had they done that at the end of the last episode, I'd be like, okay, you know what? Mad Queen twist is coming. At least we can prepare for it properly. Uh, not the way I would have wanted it delivered. 
Um, I kind of knew the show and books were heading turned towards the Mad Queen storyline, so I knew in some way, some form, we're gonna get this episode. A lot of this episode, uh, is what I expected from Game of Thrones. I just didn't expect us to get to it this way. Uh, so it was just really strange for me to see a decision like that made for Daenerys, one of your pivotal characters. I mean, how hard would it have been to just sprinkle just, like, mad vibes throughout the season? Like, make her see visions of, like, dead people from the past or decisions to be haunted by her past. It just... No, it's she sees the red keep and she loses her goddamn mind. Uh, like, so this 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 could have been so much. Like it could. It, there's so many different moments where with Danny and this descent into madness because we have seen moments of her, and I, I'm gonna say ruthlessness because I don't think that she has been particularly mm-hmm. mad in the way that the show mm-hmm. thinks that she's mm-hmm. mad. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if you look at the things that she has done as a character and the things that she has done in the name of justice or even vengeance, it's not any different than Tywin, who's mm-hmm. considered one of the best leaders in the Seven Kingdoms, one of one of the best hand to any of the, the kings or queens, and the Red Wedding, or the fact that he has also sacked the Red Keep for Robert Baratheon. Mm-hmm. It, during Robert's Rebellion. Um, Tywin and Lannister the, the reigns is... of Castamere, too. Mm-hmm. Pretty messed yeah. up. Yeah, and so... It, it, if, you look at, if you look at that, in, in that perspective, Danny hasn't done anything outside of burning people. So burning people seems to be a thing that Westeros is like, no, 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 we don't do that. Like, that's why they didn't really like Stannis, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, he burns people for the Lord of Light. Like that's some weird shit. We're not, we're not following that. We behead our people, like, <laughs> like the like good children that do. we are. While staring them you know, in the face. The seven. Yeah. <laughs> in the light of the seven, we behead people. We don't burn them. So, but Danny, for all of these things that she has gone through, she has learned that. A, a, a strong fist has really gotten her to where she is. So even with um, Miri Mazdur, or Dur, Miri, Miri, Miri Mazdur, right? Is that her name? In season one? I don't remember who you met. The, okay. Uh, that's season I'm, one character. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. So, uh, she saves her from being raped by the Dothraki. She saves a lot of women from mm-hmm. being raped by the Dothraki. And, you know, this, they, Caldor Drogo's like, you know, you can't do this. You can't step in. But no, this is, this is where she's, she's standing her ground on this. And so, and she saves this woman, and instead it leads to the death of her son, uh, the death of Caldor Drogo. Oh, the witch. And mm. The witch, yes. Yes, yeah. Okay, and so you know this this ruthlessness that she's learned over time has dictated a lot of her decision making, her Dracarys moments, and she's always had the advice of solid counsel that she has, up until this point, really listened to. Mm-hmm. Outside of this moment here with Varys, it seems like she's really just kind of taken heed of that, and so. For them to flip it on its head this episode, have her burn varies the way that she did, um, 
And then to have this moment of her sitting on the the parapets of King's Landing and then just lose her mind. Like if she had just even even if she had just flown at the Red Keep and, and Cersei uh, inside, that would have been fine. Been fine. flown yep. at the Red mm-hmm. Keep, yep. she destroys the Red Keep because that's this symbol of this thing that mm-hmm. she has been working toward, uh, according to D and D. This is that symbol of the thing that her family has lost. She's going to get it back, or she's going to break the wheel by destroying it. Whatever. She does so, and in doing so, accidentally ignites all of the caches of wildfire underneath King's Landing. And then all of a sudden, King's Landing is burning underneath this green fire. You can still have Mm -hmm. these moments of chaos that they want, showing just the, the brutal reality of war. You know, there's green fire going about. Civilians don't understand what's going on. Both sides, maybe they've already agreed to uh, a kind of like a parlay situation, and then the fires ignite. Now both sides don't know who's responsible for this, so they take up fighting again, and then you get to keep going with the, you know, the dangers that stir when a man has a sword in his hand. All the stuff that Jor warned about. But what do you do for the other forty minutes of the episode? That are well, left? so what <laughs> yeah. I'm, but what I'm like, it's yeah. so you've no, got I, this, I get, and you've got it. Danny and her moment of rage. Yeah. leads to this destruction, right? And so, like, show us her damn face when she's doing these things. And then and then maybe you have her land in the remains of the Red Keep and in front of the, the Iron Throne with the chaos going on outside. You can still have people on the ground, all of that. And she walks up to the, the Iron Throne with children screaming and dying in the background. Like, this is this thing that she has worked toward. This is this... She... She did this with the rubble falling around her. She did this, but she's here and she's in this moment. But Jen, and then have her sit down in the throne and in in the episode there, like. But show me her face. Show me how she's getting to this point emotionally. Don't show me her on the dragon the moments before, and then never show me her face again. But Jen. Danny was lonely. Nobody liked her. <laughs> I don't her. give a fuck. I don't and care John, how many times she it's was It's John's hurt. fault he wouldn't love her. And so oh, she was mad. Oh my god. She... <laughs> <laughs> did, did you not see her in uh, the war room on Dragonstone? She like did not shower for a few days. Like Her hair was all crazy. Like She was a mad queen. <laughs> that's how we know she's mad. Yeah, she stopped uh, showering. She, oh she my god. She's not washing her hair anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so you guys better not come to my house when it's the weekend because that's what I look like too. Like if I'm not going out in public, that's what I look like. And if y'all come up in my house tell me I'm mad because I haven't washed my hair in three days, <laughs> you can just lick the hairiest part of my butt. Jen, we're playing a red lobster. <laughs> and then the red lobster's on fire. <laughs> Oh, you guys um, called me mad. You wouldn't. You wouldn't kiss me. I have a question for you guys. Um, do you remember yeah, when boy. Danny had that vision in the House of the Undying? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it was so. It was like what the throne room and you know, ashes. It was snowing. And, was it, it was snowing? snowing? Okay, it was I thought it was snow. ash. I thought no. it was. I thought it was intentionally ambiguous whether okay. or not yeah. it was ash or snow. Okay. So, so now I we think- know it's ash. No, so I think it was meant to be more like a metaphor that like it look like it's snowing. I thought the snow meant more of weather, but the snow actually was ash. Uh, is how I'm reading it, uh, because the entire throne room is just absolutely destroyed. Um, it it's somebody you know the more subtle stuff mm-hmm. the series was known for. 
before it was burned down by the nurse. <laughs> like, and, uh, for them to do a scene like that back then, do you think then that that was, that sort of has like an impact on how they chose to do last night's episode? No. No. Oh, not that's at all. sad. I, I honestly feel like they received, after maybe like season six, they had a checklist from uh, George R. R. Martin, which of like events that needed to be hit mm-hmm. for the uh before the finale like this is like how the show will end and they didn't know how to do the in between and they're just probably like i mean eight years on a show is a long time i don't blame them if they wanted to be done with it but this is not the way you do mm-hmm. it you you see it out correctly they you bring they just somebody else what, on yeah, yes but, uh, absolutely yes. i mean there must be multiple executive producers or writers that would step up season yeah season. yeah and it's not that hard. Like, many shows have done this in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, showrunners come and go. Uh, look at Supernatural. Oh, One yeah. of the best examples of it. Yep. I mean, that show's finally ending next year, but it's gone through multiple showrunners, mm-hmm. and the fans loved it. Like, it, it's not it's not impossible to do. And if they didn't feel like they wanted to do this anymore or didn't have the correct vision to do it or the time or energy, pass it off. Right, isn't that the, isn't that the more responsible mm-hmm. decision anyway? As somebody who is in control of, I would say the biggest TV show at the moment, maybe in the history of television, probably yeah. pretty close. Mm-hmm. I saw, and, and I so saw, you're in charge of this legacy, right? Mm-hmm. And you decide, you know what? Maybe we're not fit to handle these last couple of seasons. Let's bring somebody else on. Delegating that responsibility shows a level of maturity. And respect. And instead of pushing through the way that they've done and throwing it into the ground of King's Landing and letting Danny burn it just seems like an irresponsible way to handle that responsibility. Yeah. And it's just... God. And they, 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 they had three days. What was it? Prior to season six or five where they went to George R. R. Martin's house and they spent three days there discussing the final events of the show, mm-hmm. the final events of the series where they went through bit by bit to get all the major plot points. So I have no doubt that these major plot points that we have seen here, uh, Arya killing the night King, Danny going mad and burning King's landing, um, whatever's going to happen in the final episode next week, I have no doubt that these are things that were originally planned for the series. Mm-hmm. Just the execution of getting to that point has been an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it makes sense that Danny would go mad, right? Like, it, it, it does make sense, especially in from the standpoint of the books, where you do get more insight into her head, like, especially mm-hmm. in A Dance with Dragons, when she's in the desert, she's lost her mind. Like, yeah, she's dying basically and she's dehydrated she has um oh what is the what is the um the blood disease that she has um she's but she's very very ill but she's seeing all these awful images um she has moments of rage but she hasn't given in to those yet and so on the show we haven't had that perspective of her the show we've seen her lock up her dragons because they killed a girl in marine Instead of, you know, leaving them out there and going, oh, well, too bad. They're dragons, you know. And it's just two episodes ago, she was willing to sacrifice her entire army, everything that she had worked for, to save the living. And so it's mind-boggling to me to think that in the span of two episodes, 
she's willing to burn children. I'm guessing because people didn't appreciate her efforts, that kind of contributed to her madness. But it's complete BS, honestly. Like, it was something they definitely didn't put enough of building up. And I think everyone unanimously agrees. I mean, I think, like, again, like I, like, I, like I said before, like, okay, if she snaps at the surrender, even, the idea of them surrendering, and then she goes to the Red Keep and is like, no, fuck this, Cersei is not surrendering. I'm killing her. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. that makes That's sense in, yeah. in, in the character that they've built. Burning civilians yeah. makes that no just sense. makes the no made, sense. Who's left in Westeros to rule? You've gotten rid of Nobody Highgarden, really. like She's River Runner, Queen of Ashes. Also, right, yes. and so and they, they they say that the the reasoning is oh because you know after John spurns her, which <sighs> okay, um, she says oh it's to be fear then. Okay. Yeah. Do, yeah. Do you know what fear is? Fear is the civilians who are dealing with uh, a war in their streets, and they look up and there's a dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fear. They don't fear you when they're dead. Maybe fear is the fragrance of, like, human corpses being fried <laughs> for Daenerys. Uh, There's no one left alive to smell that fragrance, though. That's, I mean, it, yeah. She's got it. The you entire time, it and ship it throughout the Seven Kingdoms, because yeah. I don't know what else no, The entire like. time I was shaking my head while Drogon was burning everyone, and I think that's, like, what they intended. It was, it was so well shot to, a, like, the, a depressing extent, like, a, like it was, like, a war movie. Um, but here's something that bothered me the entire time. How was Drogon this OP? He was basically toothless from freaking How to Train Your Dragon, just zip lining, zagging, whatever, and taking everything out. The entire single-handed, like, just wiped out the whole army. So I mean, there's a, there's a few things. It's like, why was the Iron Fleet so close together when they know they're up against a dragon? Because um, he just did strafing runs and took care of them in, like, mm-hmm. under two minutes. Yeah. It, and where was Cersei's defenses? Like, I came into this episode fully expecting backup plans with backup plans. Yeah. Like, if the front if the front uh, line of defense uh, failed at the gates, if the fleet failed, what's next? Yeah. And there was nothing. Or I would expect, like, guerrilla tactics or something, too. Yeah. Like, Cersei, okay, you guys know, and I don't know if people listening know this about me or not, but I am Cersei's number one fan. Cersei, <laughs> you could, Bilal knows, like, from day freaking one, Cersei has been my favorite Game of Thrones character. I love this character. She's a horrible person, but I love this character. And season eight has not been Cersei. It's like the moment that they decided that they wanted her to be pregnant, she lost whatever bit of Cersei-ness that I love. And now she's kind of, I don't want to say simpering, but a, a lot more reserved. Like, Cersei, I fully intended... No way would Cersei have killed Missandei last week. Like, that's that's her last card to play, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Danny's breaking down the gates of the Red Keep, and, uh, oh, there's Danny's best friend right next to Cersei in the arms of the mountain. You want to keep breaking down this door? I'll break down your friend's neck. You know, and so... I fully expected Cersei to make more use of things like the wildfire caches throughout the city, um, Kyburn and all of his devious necromancy mm-hmm. and just all of his just alchemy tactics. And 
she didn't. Instead, she just pulled the poor in as meat shields. Like, that is the least bit of planning that I've ever seen go into the defense of a capital city. Yeah. It, it was sad. Cersei is many, many things, but Cersei is not dumb. <laughs> She's, I mean, she's narcissistic. Yeah. And so, and because of her narcissism, like, I mean, this is the woman who blew up the Sept of Baelor mm-hmm. and an entire Great House family just so that she could kind of retain control of her last son. Like, that, that is a level of bananas that, that most characters don't reach. And that's Cersei. And you mean to tell me that her defense for this, her last stand... Was a bunch of poor people in the way. Hubris, Jamie Lannister, and Arya Stark. Those were the only things I thought that could take Cersei down. Instead, we got a brick. <laughs> yeah. Not okay. even, like, uh, she ran away. Yeah. She just stared out at the <laughs> battle scene the whole time. It, no. It's, yeah. it's just yeah. character assassination after character mm-hmm. assassination. Because last week on this exact podcast, I said... There's no way Tyrion turns in Varys, and there's no way Jaime throws away his love for Brienne and is like, I love Cersei now, after all this we've been through. And you know what? Fuck them, because that's exactly what happened. I uh, called I called it, too. I'm, I'm, okay, let's, let's wind back on Varys, because he, he might get lost in, the, in this entire podcast. Uh, I think we should give him a few moments. Um... I find it weird that Tyrion enters the throne room at Dragonstone and is like, and Danny's like, "There's a traitor in our midst," and it's Jon Snow. And how does she even know Jon spoke to anyone at this point? The order of like the chain of succession, and before Tyrion even tells her like what happened, it, it, it's kind of mind-boggling. I um, assume that she inferred it from looking at Jon and Varys mm-hmm. on the beach, like the kind of. Definitely not subtle whispering between the two of them. Maybe she can lip read. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that that drove me nuts. And then I just, I felt bad for Varys. Because he was sitting there the entire time like, Tyrion, come on, man. <laughs> like, listen to me. But I did I did like the fact that Tyrion went up to him and was like, you know what? It was me. It, it, it wasn't up. you. Yeah. He mm-hmm. manned up for it. He, he called, they were still best friends in the end. It was painful to watch. Uh, I think that was at least true to Tyrion's character. Um, it was especially painful because as the show goes on, you're realizing, oh crap, Varys I, was right. Yeah, and say, and we get that realization with John as well um, on the battlefield, or that just shot of him going uh, with the Kermit, yeah. your enthusiasm music playing in the background, at least in my mind, <laughs> of him just going like, oh no, we 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 made a big mistake. Yeah. Uh and then the other character is Jamie, who apparently his great plan was to ride down to King's Landing. Show his hand and, and get inside. Show, show his hand and get captured. And... That's the most ridiculous freaking scene. Like, he's waving this gold hand. It's me, guys. In the crowd of people. Nobody else in, in, the, in the history of Westeros has a golden hand. This is me. Hey, what's up? Like, Let me in. What? He's, he's part, he was part of Kingsguard. He's been in King's Landing for years. He should know another way know in. Any... Come on. Exactly. Yeah, come on. Yeah. 100% he should know another way in. And it's mind-boggling that he's like, I'll just stroll through this army and nobody will recognize me and just let me through. No. <laughs> That's not how it works. And then Tyrion, who turns over Varys for treason 
decides to commit treason by letting Jamie free um, to go warn Cersei and ring the bells as a why, sound of why, surrender. Why, why does Tyrion care about Cersei this much? Mm-hmm. Or is it why, more why? for the kid? Where did this come from? I, I think it's, it's more like for the baby. He also found out she was pregnant and was I, like, oh my god, I have to save her. I think for him, it was more of Jamie can talk sense into Cersei like that this is going to be a losing battle. Um, if there's anyone that can do it, it's him. And that he just doesn't want people to burn. I think there might be a small part of him uh, that is like, you know what, she's pregnant. Maybe l- let Jamie have this. Let them go off to Pentos and live their lives away from all this. You know, the Lannister family is dead if they manage to get out of this. It's just me. And who knows, maybe I'll get lucky and survive. But I got to admit, I- their goodbye was so oh, touching. Was, yeah, I agree. It, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you're um, the only person who cared. It was nice. Yeah, it was one of the few glowing moments of the episode for me um but it, it's just upsetting to see J- jamie go down this way i rather had seen him try to be someone that killed cersei in this, this case is, but this is this is another one of those moments right like a few small shifts in in what jamie does as a character in this episode in this episode alone completely changes the way that we view him right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Like, again, go to, okay, Tyrion sets him free. You've got to change. You've got to change Cersei's mind. You guys can run away together. Whatever. You know, like, stop this attack. Save these innocent people. Jamie saying that he never cared for the innocents is the most bullshit line that he's ever uttered on this show. Didn't like, he kill the Mad King to stop the innocents from dying? He exactly. killed the Mad King Ugh. for that reason, you know? And and we've seen good things from Jamie. So whether or not he believes that he's a good person, because I think that he genuinely believes that he's a terrible person who does not deserve good things. And that's probably why he left Brain, mm-hmm. because he thinks that he doesn't deserve her. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I still wish that we would have gotten more from that instead of just him abandoning her oh i'm going because i love cersei Um, you know what the scary thought is the last time we might actually see her character is a weeping mess stop it i I really hope not no to believe that stop it i hate this i hate that idea i'm not entertaining it at all but but you know what like i'm entertaining all the worst ideas now because i've been wrong i've been entirely wrong with the character arcs this i mean so i have a theory i have a theory that can change all of this okay I'll get there. Right after the break. No. <laughs> Sponsored by I was, Starbucks. I was, we, got spon- we got sponsorships now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Brought to you by Jamie, Fire and Ash. But with Jamie, okay, so go back to, again, this crappy characterization of Cersei, who is just fleeing the scene and skirting her way by the Cleganes, which was fucking hilarious to me, by the way. Um... <laughs> Just excuse me. I'm going to get through here. Yep. See you later. Bye. <laughs> um, and, you know, and so have this moment where she is ready to set off the wildfire caches or do something that is going to harm people. And Jamie realizes this connection and he goes to kill her. And then maybe he can't. Like, at least give me that moment where he tries to stop her, where he tries to end this. And then he looks at her and realizes he can't do it. Because at least the attempt Mm -hmm. was there. He knew that this was what he should do, but Mm -hmm. he couldn't do it. But instead, he goes and kills Douche Pacey from Dawson's Creek. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, that's who he looks like. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. You're welcome. It has been Dude, killing me that I couldn't figure out what who he looks like. I also, I have also enjoyed. That's like getting uh, a piece of popcorn out from me between your teeth. You know, like I feel yeah. so much better now. I've also, Christian. I've also preferred uh, poor man's Captain Jack Sparrow. I can go with that too. Well, yeah. at least with his clothes so choice, better, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's like. So Joran is on his ship when da- uh, Daenerys attacks. Oh, one thing I want to point out: we see them reloading the arrows on the ballistas on the ships, and yeah. it takes so much longer than it took those three arrows from that one ship to uh, Pierce Regal. Uh, yeah, it's, because it's, the plot it's bonkers. demanded it. The yeah. plot demanded the scorpions to fail. What? So well, did, you, did you guys see the fan edit uh, that was done on that scene of where like Daenerys is flying through the air and? It's using the same scenes that were given to us, but just, like, rearranged. She's flying in the air on her dragons. We see the ships come out, like, and all the arrows fly out at once. And, like, you see Daenerys dodge one, and then you see one of the arrows hit Rhaegal in the neck. And it makes so much more sense Mm. in my (laughs) mind. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? Again, why couldn't they have edited it better? Small changes. You guys had two years tiny edits and t- tiny changes in all of these things that they've done and this is so much better yeah and it's just like i if, don't know about uh if you guys know but like in jaws it was the editor that told Sp- spielberg like don't put the shark in this movie as much as like you want to because it's better for suspense and everything if you show it a minimal amount and like that's what made jaws so great back then it was the editor's decision to cut back on how much they revealed the shark um so it just baffles me that, like, at so many lines, uh, it j- the quality control just kind of failed uh, for this final season. But going back to Mr. Yoran Greyjoy, uh, he his ship gets destroyed and he just ends up on a beach <laughs> with uh, Jamie. Yep. Uh, at, it's like a cove. It. Yeah, it's it's at the cove at the bottom of King's Landing. It's like I didn't even expect this dude to still be alive, <laughs> but of course he is because. I, Why? I, Why? So, I, I, in the books, Euron Greyjoy is this really badass character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's terrifying. He's, he's legit yeah. set up to be a big bad. He's maniacal book. as yeah. well. This version we got of him, I have no idea what the hell they were thinking. <laughs> but uh, maybe they were just like, there's not enough time, so let's just make him Captain Jack Sparrow. Yep. Um, but his introduction, his introduction at the end of season six, when he kills... Balon Greyjoy was so good. It but was. Like, he kills but... and throws him off the bridge in the middle of the storm, and he is that straight-up crazy maniacal, but he he instills a bit of fear in you. But if I like, recall... that's so good. It is, but that's also George Martin, I believe, because he, he mentions yeah. that he did that in the books. Yeah, but there was, was also that, that thing with... That scene where, like, we hadn't seen the Greyjoys in so long on the show mm-hmm. that that scene kind of felt out of place for me. Speaking of which, where the hell's the fleet? Yeah, where's Yara? Yeah, that's what I was... I thought she was going to show up at the last minute. Nah. She never even... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> she, she, she's like, I'm going to stay on she, the Iron Islands. Yeah. It, it's gonna be the she post, found a pretty girl. She's it's going to be a post-credit sequence. <laughs> post-credit sequence, she, like, walks up to King's Landing. Everyone just says dead, and she just sits on the throne and be like... Ah, Iron Island wins. <laughs> I'm fine with that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll give this Euron Greyjoy. He went out most on brand than any other True. character. Oh yeah. my god, his True. final line, though. 
Oh god, <laughs> it made me want to vomit. <laughs> me too, actually. <laughs> I was like, what? You, you, you killed kill... a dragon, but you're really excited about Can... killing a cripple? <laughs> a cripple? Yeah, what the hell? How the hell did Jamie survive the long night? If you can't um, take on your own creature. A, a good question. Well, I mean, yeah. he got stabbed in the stomach twice. So, like, he's already two times better than Arya. Uh, so, yeah, Jamie and Joran fight. Jamie goes up the secret passage through the uh, dragon skulls. I kind of like that they brought back this location. It's been one of my favorites in the books and uh, in the show. It's oh, In the books especially, it's just, like, all the secret... Uh, passages in King's Landing always it always makes me happy. I just I'm just that guy that likes national treasure because of all these secrets <laughs> and secret passages. But um I I don't know about you guys, but when he finds Cersei in the war room and they he's like I got this escape and they go back down to the dragon skull room and they find like all the bricks have collapsed and blocked their exit. I was I felt pretty bad because I was like that's a Really messed up way to go, um, but I knew that I knew it was their time with how everything was going. Not the way I wanted them to go out, but it was. At least I got that sense of dread, uh, for being in that sort of environment. I read in an interview that, that the actress who played Cersei wasn't exactly thrilled the, with that being her way to go being out. Trapped underneath. Well, just like yeah, you're just like because uh, I think at that point I wasn't sure if the. Uh, entire castle or keep was going to fall on, on top of them or if they're just going to be like survive for like a few days down there trapped with no way out i mean i can't believe it but they managed to make cersei a more sympathetic character than yep. any of the other characters that they've done throughout the series like the, the her death like i genuinely felt sadness and i mean again i love cersei so like i i was always going to be sad when she went i knew she was going to die but oh my goodness how are you going to give me this empathy for this truly terrible character hmm. but i don't get to see danny's face as she's burning children i don't i don't get to see the emotion on this protagonist that I have legit been rooting for, for eight, eight seasons. Like, you know, even when Danny's burning the Iron Fleet, I'm like, fuck yeah, go, you get them, girl. They deserve this shit. I don't even care. You know, and then she starts <laughs> they, burning they children. Knew what they I'm signed like, wait, up wait, 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 what are you doing? Wait, I just, I just, I'm conflicted. I don't know. This doesn't seem like you. You know, like, I threw my pillow at the TV screen. I was so mad when Danny started burning King's Landing. And then there's Cersei underneath in, in the, in the not the crypts, the, oh my gosh, blanking on the words. Underneath the Red Keep. The and dragon room? The catacombs. Mm -hmm. I guess, That's yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sad. I'm legit sad. Like, it was a really great moment. And Lena Headey did an amazing job mm -hmm. this whole episode. You guys missed the mark there a little bit. Yeah, and I think my brother complained about this too. He's just like, I can't believe she had to go out with a brick falling on her head, like just the <laughs> castle yeah. coming down. On her. Like it should, like it's a terrible way to go. Regardless, like she went out, Daenerys got her win, but or yeah, I guess counts as a win. But it should have been another way, in my opinion. It, I think it should have been more personable. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. think though that for 
the two of them uh, for Cersei and Jaime as characters would they have preferred to go out that way if they rather than having them be killed by someone else like in person like I think as fans we would have rather seen that like I had no problem with them dying together but kind of like what Jen was saying earlier like it would have been nicer if you know Jaime potentially was there to kill her but couldn't do it right to have that sort of drama built up but then I don't know. Like, I think they kind of got the better end of the deal as in not having to be killed by someone else if, like, and just had the bricks fall on them. Not, you, you right? Know, like, yeah. like, they got the most yeah. romantic ending yeah. of, of any couple in this show. Yeah. You know how this would have worked for me? Had it been Tormund that ended up with Brienne and then Jamie realizing there was nothing for him up in Winterfell and just, like, realizing he really doesn't have anyone besides Cersei, and then going back, that would have worked a little <laughs> bit better for me. I mean, Tormund can still end up with Brienne. They're still up there. Yeah. yeah but at least it would, give, it would have been a better reason for Jamie to go down south to King's Landing than waking up in the middle of the night with shame and going, oh. I shouldn't have slept with her. I love Cersei. And, like, even when Euron's, like, telling her, like, you know, I fucked the queen, and he's, oh. like, yeah. he's just, like, Okay, this dude needs to die. <laughs> it's like doesn't even flinch. Um, anything. Ugh. But, but like, like I get it. I get that that Jamie's love for Cersei is problematic, right? And especially the way that they've portrayed it in the show. They don't have as many obstacles for Jamie to overcome in his love for Cersei. Like he knows that she's hateful. He knows that she's a terrible person, but he loves her regardless. In the books, it's a lot easier for him to to walk away from her and despise her because of. You know, she's been fucking Moon Boy for all he knows. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it makes more sense that he would be a little more tethered to her. And, and I mean, and that is kind of a human emotion, right? Like, you you don't choose who you love. You, you love who you love. And sometimes it is a terrible person like Cersei Lannister. But at the same time, we have been working on this Jamie Redemption arc for so long and that moment when he's in the baths with Brain and he tells the story, the real story of what happened with the Mad King and what he did to save the people. And we realize, no, he's actually a good person. And you see the way that he treats Tyrion and and how he does follow through in his own way and that oath that he made to Catelyn Stark. Like, he has honor. And so to lose that in this death sequence hurts. To to just be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm dead. I'm gonna die with Cersei. And, Bye. Yeah. yeah, and Jamie has been my favorite character in the books. Well, one of them, at least, since that chapter of where he tells his backstory, because it's so brutal. Because at the time, you just think he's like this absolute douchebag, which, you know, he does earn at points, but it's just so revealing that not every character is what you expect. Uh, there's more to them, and the world has done that really well uh, with Martin's writing. Just not with D and D's. They, I really. It's the first time I've seen after an episode has aired where even not just fans, but like I see TV journalists mm-hmm. and, yeah. and even movie journalists going like, what the "You heck? need to take Star Wars away from these guys." Yeah. <laughs> like these guys. The only way I see Star Wars working for these two is if they take something out of the expanded universe from books that have already been established and adapt that, but I, they shouldn't even deserve the credit for that. Like, well, so they... the Star Wars that they're supposed to do was Knights of the Old Republic. <gasps> is it? 
Really? Yeah. I thought that was oh, just a rumor. That's, that's like I, my that's, favorite that's Star Wars it. game. No. Oh, oh I know. No. Same here, I know. There are a lot of people I'm that just are like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> they cannot get the nuance of Knights of the Old Republic. Because yeah. this is how they handle oh. Shades of Grey. Well, no way well, do they get well, Knights of the Old Republic. They'll do the first two movies really well, but the third one <laughs> oh, they'll completely botch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, how crazy is it, though, to make that Star Wars parallel and to to realize that Anakin's descent in Revenge of the Sith makes more sense than what Danny has gone through these last two episodes. Because at least you got build up yeah. in Attack of the Clones. Yep. yep. It's just, oh my gosh. And, Actually, but they even it, was established had through... in, it was established in pod racing because like, <laughs> Anakin's a monster. Like, and he has temper he issues, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so, and so like the thing that's frustrating for me too is that like, I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at these characters and the journeys that they've gone on for eight seasons, and it's almost like they're back to where they started. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost like they, they're like, okay, here are these characters. We're going to define them by their house name. Okay, these are Starks. They're good people. These are Targaryens. They're mad and crazy and like burning things. These are Lannisters. They protect themselves and that above all else, and they're selfish, but they've got money, you know. And so, and like, and you look at this, and it's kind of like, man, it's almost like they went on this journey for eight seasons, and now they're just going back into what their what their names are and what their house is, and like, and I feel like there could be a really good message in that, mm-hmm. and they've just missed it. It's like it's like they read that, like, okay. There is some, there is something to, this is how you were raised, like, for Tyrion, like, okay, uh, a Lannister always pays his debts, um, the, anything with Lannister, like, Tyrion was the proudest Lannister when we met him, and so, to go back and then to, for him to want to protect Cersei and save the Lannister line by saving her and her baby, you know, that makes sense in terms of, Tyrion and being a proud Lannister, right? But, like, getting to that point has not been executed well. And so it just kind of makes him look like he's this gullible idiot who's had the wool pulled over his eyes because of Cersei. Totally agree, Jen. Speaking of which, Tyrion, what the hell has he been doing the past whole season? Three seasons. Uh, I, yeah. Like, I, I know we mentioned, we, we talked about this in previous episodes as well, but yeah. I thought I he know. would step up, though, because this is, like, the last battle, the last, like, strategy thing. Yeah. He's... But no. Right, I... and, like, it even made mention, like, oh, Battle of Blackwater, I was the one that, that saved King's Landing, you know? Like, that and was because me and my, and my wits and my intelligence, and he didn't do anything this episode. All right, so, other question, how did everyone in King's Landing know to ring the bells? Like, is that just, like, a common thing? Like, you ring the bells for surrender or something? I'm guessing or... so, because there's no know, other the reason. I don't know, but the ringing of the bells, they said it so many times this episode, it was like, yeah. oh, like, you'll be safe in the crypts. Like, that's that's what that yeah. was this episode. Yeah. It's just, like, I, I think he just wanted to save as many lives as possible, and he, I think he felt like he succeeded at a certain point, but Daenerys just kind of, as Varys said, land, flipped a coin and landed on the wrong side in her decision-making when it, she looked up at that red keep. God, like, it sucks, because this, this dude is... This dude's gonna die. 
there's no way Tyrion walks out of this because as soon as Daenerys is like, "Where's Jaime?" and they find out that Tyrion let him go, there's no coming back. I don't know, I don't man. Think... But he's I don't dead think... anyways. I think John kills Danny before it gets to that point. See, I think Arya is gonna kill Danny. I think Arya set up to kill Danny. I think Arya's done killing. I think Arya, Arya riding off into the sunset the way that she did that was like her i'm not killing for this anymore so my best friend sent me this thing saying where the hell is brand during all this did lose christian hello i think we did oh no, oh, no hello christian. yes <laughs> all right um god i don't know you know if he's recording on his end i don't know how this will come out oh there you hello? go oh, there you go. go oh okay cool yeah we and we end we ended with my best friend sent. Uh, oh, my best friend. Sorry. Uh, he yes. told me that, uh, or he sent me this thing uh, saying, where is Bran during all of this? Like, foreseeing all of this happening, basically. And the answer was, he was obviously warging into the horse that helped Arya get away. No, but I thought Bran's only able to see where there are weirwoods. And since they've all been cut down, except in Winterfell, there's no more of a connection. Oh, yeah, you're right. All right, total plot hole. Be able to see through the weirwoods, but I think he can still warg. But I don't know how he would be able to warg into something he couldn't see through the weirwoods. Oh, that's true. So I, I don't know. So my theory. Well, couldn't he go from like raven to horse? I mean, maybe. I don't know the extent of his <laughs> because, powers. Because one of the guys uh, that John felt uh, uh, fought in earlier seasons, he warged into like a bird or something, and then the bird was killed. And he jumped into something else. There's something in the books where he can jump from creature to creature. Maybe that's possible, but I don't buy Bran doing anything else anymore. Uh, I, I mean, they, they've shied away so much from a lot of the magic in the show with regard to warging and visions and prophecies and all these other things that make it like really high fantasy. So I don't know what the extent of Bran's abilities would be. Yeah. I mean, what, what exactly was Bran's storyline? So, okay, so you want to hear my theory? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So my theory is that Bran set all of this up so that he could be king. And that he, uh, all of these things have been orchestrated, you know, because it starts with him being pushed out of the window and becoming a cripple, which then leads to all of the sequence Mm -hmm. of events that then happen through Game of Thrones and then on. And that um, all of these little things he's orchestrated because of his knowledge, either as a three-eyed raven or whatever. And so now he gets to sit on the Iron Throne. Like, it's, it's going to happen um, with John kills Danny, takes her out of the equation because he disseminated that information about John's parentage. And continued to disseminate that information to Sansa, who he knew would tell Tyrion, and so on and so forth. And then Jon is going to be so distraught by this thing that he has done, he's going to go up north or something and peace out. Peace out. (laughs) And then something's going to happen and Tyrion is going to do something where he's like, oh, let's... Bran knows everything. Let's make him king. And they're going to bring Bran in and he's going to be king. Aww. <laughs> and he's gonna it's gonna be evil but it's gonna be like he he orchestrated it all so that he could be king king that, so he could uh, that's, be ruler. that's getting too much credit to benioff and weiss in my opinion <laughs> I, 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 I mean I, that is i don't so but i don't think that 
I don't think that's D and D's thing. Like I think that yeah. that is that I think that that could be the original intent for the ending of the show. Like you think Bran is this kind of all-knowing entity, and the reason why he needed to take out the Night King first is because the Night King is the only one that he can't control. Because Bran can warg into other human beings. Like, he can control other people. But he can't control the Night King and the White. Mm. So he needed them dealt with. And that's why they have to handle this threat. But the Night King is probably also aware of someone as terrifying as Bran taking control of everything. And so Bran probably thinks that he's the only one who is capable of leading the Seven Kingdoms because he is this all-knowing being and can see everything. He's been positioning all these different pawns so that he can take over. I just imagine HBO watching the finale they have on hand right now and just going, oh shit, we need to delay this for like a month and do reshoots. Uh, <laughs> pitches, we need pitches. Jen, Jen, Jen Stayrook, uh, come here, come here. Uh, that Brad, Brad, Brad orchestrate? Okay. Write us a script. We're gonna reshoot this. This is so much better than the shit we got. Um, because it makes, makes it makes more sense about yeah. like the different descents of the characters, right? Like yeah. Yeah. you know, all the like Jamie leaving Winterfell to go save Cersei or whatever. Like you know, imagine him finding ways to put ideas into different people's heads. Like it makes more sense why Sansa and Arya would be so outwardly hostile to Danny. It makes sense why Danny would get that increasing paranoia uh, in Winterfell. And, uh, or varies in Tyrion, kind of like losing their wits and their smarts in, in Winterfell and not, and making these terrible decisions, you know? I, I feel like when a series or something gets this big and it's headed towards the end, they, like, I know the video game industry does something like this. They'll bring in, like, influencers or, like, people that are familiar with their games if they're working on a sequel to test some stuff out to make sure it, like, it plays right, it, it looks good. It's like, do a, a focus like group. Want. Yeah, like a focus yeah. group. I feel like if a series gets this big, you get, like, the biggest n- names possible that, like, know the Game of Thrones lore. Maybe just, like, ten of them or so. Like, good diversity across, like, five women, five men, um, all different uh, diverse groups. And just have them just, like, look it over or something. I mean... Something needs to be said about how. Well, I mean, bad I mean that's like the gone. whole point of like having like reading groups when you're an author. Mm-hmm. You know, like you yeah. you have you have arcs of books that go out to different groups of people who read these things, and especially for you know um, when you're looking for like diversity in certain kinds of books, like you have to have certain groups of people read these books so that like you aren't being insensitive to different different diverse issues you know Mm -hmm. and so but i think that with D &D and with game of thrones in particular is that they've had so many leaks with game of thrones already in the past that they all these leaks have been correct they've they've really (laughs) kind of locked down well i mean i mean in recent years with like episodes leaking and things like that uh they've locked down a lot of releases on the show and i think that also there's something with D D in particular where it seems like like, if you watch the the inside the thrones, behind the scenes. It's so after bad this the episodes, season. It's so bad. Like, they are so full of themselves and, like, that this is, like, the greatest story that they could have written. And look at all this symbolism and look at these metaphors and look at what we've done. And I just don't think that they've had anyone outside their circle be critical of the things that they've put forward. And so and now they're at a point where, like, they've been praised so much 
that they're like the Dudley Dursleys of the world right now. <laughs> and they've they've had so many awards thrown at them and they've earned so much money and they're about to get Star Wars that like anyone who throws criticism at them now is just they're just a bunch of haters cuz like look how good we are, you know? I, and I mean, so what, I just don't think that they, they can take that criticism. Would they be haters at this point? Because I just think the entire... I've never seen a unified front for uh, people to hate on a showrunner or just the direction of something like this. Like, usually, like, in Star Wars... It's George case, Lucas. George Lucas, like... Even, like, The Last Jedi, say what you will. Like, I know the fan base is wrong, in my opinion. No, I oh, love the, the fan Last base. Jedi. Like, I, I loved so... it. But, like, there's that split. Like, but there's always, like, a defending side... In terms of Game of Thrones, it's, like, universal. Like, the episode, at least, like, the episodes are entertaining to watch. I'll, I'll give them that much. But the everyone will agree the writing has been abysmal. Like, people I see watching terrible shows, and I'm like, why are you watching that shit? It's garbage. Um, well, Even the, they themselves are like, yo, Game of Thrones is on some trash writing right now. I'm like, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. if those people are saying this, then it's like, it, it has to be, in my eyes, universal. Um, the hate the show is getting. I haven't seen one person go. Yeah, you know that was um that, that was, was blo- a a plus. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw this out there. I've heard a lot of hate lately. Comparisons to like uh, How I Met Your Mother season finale, oh. or uh, Dexter. or Dexter, or even Walking Dead's like quality of it now. And I've never <laughs> seen this many people agree that this is hands down worse than any of those other things that they've seen. It's bad. It's really really yes. bad. I've seen, I mean, I've seen people say, oh, well, Danny's madness makes sense. Like, it's been there from the beginning. But I think even those people have gone, you know, it's actually been really quick. It's it's happened too fast. Like, they, yeah. they, they will say, like, the madness makes sense. It's entertaining. It's okay. I liked it. But they will concede. No, but it was actually handled really poorly. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it is, it's mind-boggling to me to go on to Reddit or Twitter or Facebook and see all of this negativity surrounding game of thrones it's 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 crazy yeah yeah I, yeah I think pretty much my feed the entire day has been all that like i've not really seen anything positive <laughs> <laughs> and like and i i'm sitting here and so like my thing is like so like when these things happen on tv shows that are so divisive i try to think okay how can i defend this what, what can I do to think about defending this, you know, uh, like with the 100 and all of the, the terrible things that the 100 as a show has done? I try to think, okay, how can I defend this as a writer? Let me look at this from the other side. And normally I can come up with at least this is where I think that they were going. This is what this is. With Game of Thrones right now, I cannot defend this. The only thing I come up with is they're done. It's lazy. They want to be done. This is what they put out. They wanted the spectacle. They wanted the oh shit moments that has dictated the entire plot. Like the oh the oh shit moment spectacle has been the defining feature of this season. We want to show we want to show how terrifying the Night King and his army are. So we're gonna send the entire horde of Dothraki at the Night King and have like six return. But then the next episode, we're going to have a shit ton oh, of them. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah that, okay, I was going to bring that up at some point. How are there Dothraki still? Am I the one who's most infuriated about this? Like, what the? 
No, that's what, no, that's what they said. That's what they said after the episode. She only lost half the Dothraki. Where did they go yeah. in that episode? And so it's one of those things that's, okay, the plot demanded for the oh shit moment for the Dothraki to completely disappear into the Night King. But, all right, well, we, but we're going to need Dothraki for the battle and King's Landing. So instead of coming up with a logical reason for why the Dothraki are here... You know, we're just going to bring them back. We're just going to have a bunch of Dothraki riding through the streets of King's Landing. It's fine. It makes for a better image. It's okay. And so and it's the same thing with the scorpions on the Iron Fleet and Euron having, you know, 360 no scope accuracy mm-hmm. with shooting at moving dragons miles away. And, uh, well, so the plot demanded it. So it's going to be really satisfying for an oh shit moment to have this dragon just get freaking necked by a giant spear coming through the sky out of nowhere and then you know the next episode well we kind of need them all to go away because we want Cersei to lose and Danny's really mad so we need to show her mad all right she's just gonna kill them all it's, it's just you know what she's gonna blow them all up it's gonna make for a really cool scene right like her him just you know, strafing through the ships and destroying every single scorpion in sight like it's it just makes sense that way. All right, let's just do that. Like, that's that's been the defining feature of this season. <sighs> yep. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Um, yeah. I think I want to quickly talk about the spinoff that I wanted that we'll never get of Arya and the Hound just traveling through Westeros. And, <laughs> like, in the better timeline where Game of Thrones has, like, another three, four seasons, oh, this season would have been the one where... We, they dealt with the night, uh, the Night King and the Walkers. It was an entire season long ordeal, and it, then the recovering in Winterfell, and then Arya and the Hound leave, and maybe like the first five six episodes of, is just them traveling down to King's Landing, but just doing this like rogue badass shit of just like helping out people. It'll be like Robin uh, Hood, be- Men in Tights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because the way the Why way these oh, two please make them sing. <laughs> yes, I want to see them. Sing. The way these two walk through the streets of King's Landing, through people, is, is like the most badass shit ever. Uh, I love it. Just the look on their face, the way they ride through the camp. And they're like, she's like, I'm Arya Stark. Do you not know what I, I did? I just killed. I, I killed yeah. the Nick King. Yeah. Like, like I'm going to go kill Cersei. So Get out of my way. Yeah. Part, part the seas. <laughs> Move out of my way. Like, it, it was so fun to watch Uh, just the two of them, like, make their way through. And then... Once they get to the war room and, like, the keep is coming down around them, you just hear Drogon up in the air, burning shit, destroying um, everything in sight. Uh, uh, you know, Clegane turns to her and is like, you know what, this isn't worth it. You should just go, like, lo- just, like, look at me. And I don't know if Arya has really, 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 like, looked at him before. And it was, like, the father figure, like, he's been this father figure for her. And... It's like this slow realization, because even in the war room, like, you could tell she's a bit shaken with everything going on, but she's set on this course, and Clegane's just like, look, don't make revenge your entire life. It, look what it has done to me. I'm going off to go fight my brother. This is what my life is uh, about. Like, th- this is probably going to be like... And you can tell in his wording that he knows this is probably the end for him as well. Uh, so he just gives her this advice, and she kind of like snaps out of this zone she's in, and she heads out. And I thought that was one of the few, probably one of the last touching moments we'll get out of this series. Totally. Uh, 
And props to I mean, Maisie Williams, because, mm-hmm. like, dude, her in this episode and then the one at the uh, at the battle uh, for the Winterfell or whatever, uh, she was just kicking butt left and right and just yeah. constantly in these crazy action sequences that, yeah. like, seriously, great job. And so, like, we, we get the clue gain ball quickly after that, um, which it was fine for me. Uh, I don't think it lived up. Why did it have to be on stairs? That, I felt that was weird. I think having it in the war room would have been cooler. I did enjoy how Cersei's like, you know what? Um, you guys, I, I'm yep. just gonna go. I'm gonna go. Clyburn eating it was the best. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Oh my gosh, that was so that, hilarious. Oh god, uh, highlight of the episode. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Just because his head crushed in. But I also liked how uh, the mountain in this case like has so much hate for his brother that even though he's con magically or scientifically yeah he's like screw yeah, you guys i gotta do he's this like, screw you guys <laughs> he's like, like this is my destiny um, i like that armor con- when you unmask him he looks like darth vader and then i realized oh dnd did this on purpose uh... <laughs> i thought he i thought he looked like that war race creature from doctor who do you guys know who i'm talking about the dog i don't watch doctor, doctor who the cyberman uh, yeah the Daleks? Not the Cybermen. No. Not the no. I'll, I'll send you guys a picture okay. later. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, that, that fight was fine. Having the Hound and the Mountain go out, at this point, it was, like, whatever. Um, I mean, I kind of like the idea, the metaphor behind it, right? Like, the, the over-the-head metaphor that he's he's trying to kill the, the need for vengeance, right? Like, he's, he's trying to kill his brother, and... He can't, right? Because you can't kill this idea. And so he has to go down with it. And yeah. I I mean, I like that idea. Um, I still just don't know if I buy this. Like, I, I you know, I've said this yeah, in no. two episodes now about Sandor's character. It doesn't make sense to me that he's gone through this arc that he's gone through and he would seek out the remains of the brother, brother that once was to to then die with him after he's gone through this growth yeah. i did like the moment with him and aria i thought that was a that was an amazing moment mm-hmm. easily after kyburn getting his face smashed <laughs> in that was the best moment um and then followed by cersei just scooching her way on down the stairs and just yeah. see you later but uh yeah it just it's it's the same thing with Jamie. It's just like you have these two arcs that where the characters changed, they were different, they like moved on from their past, and just for the sake of either fan service or checking off a box that really didn't need to be checked off, they they threw mm-hmm. it all out the window. Yeah, uh, I I think one of my favorite sequences. Then I'm not sure if you guys noticed this, but like when Drogon is attacking the Red Keep. The first thing to fall is like this tower, and I was like, "That's the Tower of the Hand." <laughs> Emily was like, "Why do you know that?" I'm like, "Cause I'm a nerd." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like I do, I do like how detailed it is because like it's not just like a random tower for me. It, it's like I know what that is, and so there's like small details done by like I guess the production team um, that that stayed consistent. So it was nice seeing all that. Um, and then I think uh, Arya's run through the city is, I think. It might have gone on a bit too long for some people, but I think it oh, it worked tonally and thematically because Arya's always been the character that we see the lives of the Westerosi from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, her travels. Mm-hmm. So I agree and I disagree. 
So I like seeing it partly from Arya's perspective. And I like the idea that Arya is this trained assassin, right? Like, she's a badass. She's been built to be this badass character. She came to King's Landing to kill Cersei. She's going to do this. She's going she's gonna to stop the war, whatever. And as a singular character, she can do a lot. But in the horrors of war, what can she mm-hmm. do, right? Like, when, when there's a dragon destroying the walls and the buildings around her, and there's chaos, and the, the people as a whole have just gone crazy with fear, they're stampeding all over her. What can she do? You know, like, she's helpless to protect herself against these things. She needs the help of another person. I really, really, really like that message. And I think that that message lands a bit stronger for Arya if literally two episodes she hadn't destroyed the entire Night King's army. Mm-hmm. But so, but I, I think that that's a really good thing to see from Arya's character that, okay, here we have this character who's been built up to be this person who is kind of a savior. Like, everybody thinks that, that Arya is going to kill Danny. Everybody thinks that, like, okay, we you need to kill one person, Arya is going to be the one to do it. Like, that's kind of been the go-to for Arya's character. And I like this showing her as being fallible and, and not being invincible. I mean, even though she kind of was invincible because how many rocks fell on her head. But whatever. <laughs> um, so... But at the same time, like, I think that you could have accomplished a whole lot more intimacy of this destruction of King's Landing if that had been Davos down on the ground with these people. Because Davos is from Flea Bottom. He was raised poor. He already has all of these deep connections, for whatever reason, with little girls. Like, with Shireen and his bond with her and then seeing her burned alive. Him seeing what's happening on the streets of King Le- King's Landing would have really resonated with his character. And he's not central enough that the fear of losing him would have been gripping. Like, I would have been terrified for him. At no point did I ever think that Arya was going to die in uh, any of honestly, this in King's Landing. I didn't even think of it like that. And That's that a good point, is, yeah. Uh, that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Really uh, and this is why Jen <laughs> is a smart one on this one. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. All right. Let's talk about Jon Snow. And, you know, I think a lot of them, you, you take any writing workshop for television or whatnot. There's always a character's journey, the hero's mm-hmm. journey. And at some point, the hero needs to stop being reluctant. Uh, and just like go mm-hmm. on that journey and take the leap and take and take the lead. Read monomythic. And, yo, Jon Snow, we got one episode left. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, if there was a time to step up, it was like a long time ago. I mean, he tried this episode, right? He was like, "No, you don't do that. We have to oh my save God. the Can people." We please? Talk about the terrible uh, northern fighter who was going to go rape oh my a woman. God, right? yeah. And he stabbed him. Like, did we need that, guys? Like, you really have not inserted enough rape into the show already did, that you had to insinuate that and make Jon Snow more of the Boy Scout goody two-shoes who's saving people I mean, by so I, stopping I, I, yeah, a soldier so, from raping a woman. Uh, 100% agree with that. But, like, the other thing I was so confused about, like, I get the Dor- Dothraki pillaging and... If it was a Dothraki, I totally get it, because that's how their characters have been. But maybe they changed under Daenerys, but uh, not really needed. Uh, 
But, like, why were, like, Unsullied and Northerners killing, like, civilians? I, I just didn't get it. Like, what was the need for killing the civilians? It's, it, I, I, so, like... Is this a war like, I, like, I kind of, like, I kind of get it, right? Like, I think that what they were trying to get at was that they are so controlled by these heavy emotions in this whole scenario. Like, this, this whole thing was chaos. And they're guided by these emotions, and especially for Danny's army in particular, they are led by Grey Worm, who... Yeah. Who is in turn controlled by Danny, and once Danny loses it, Graham's like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'm killing these fools. They killed yeah. Sandy. I'm killing them. There is no mercy for them whatsoever." So that nope, works for me. What I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that that worked for me against uh, against the knights, like against the Lannister army. I thought that was a powerful scene where both sides meet in the streets and they're just standing there because they're like, "Do we really want to do this?" Like. This battle is over already. Like, what's the point of fighting at this point? And it, as you said, it comes down to Daenerys making that move, and a Grey Worm just picks up the spear, chucks it, and it's all out of hell. Um, but why? Like, the civilians were so innocent in all of this. They don't... I think the point was to showcase the horrors of war, even from people and characters and and soldiers that you've come to it like. Is. Yeah. But and that's that's what I liked about Arya's run through the city. It's just like. You get because I think it's easy to lose the fact of like how crazy war can be, um, especially when there's a dragon involved. I'm still confused on how Daenerys knew where to breathe fire and throw friendly fire involved at any point. Because yeah, I know, like those... your 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 army's in that, homie. Yeah, like you've just torched this whole city. Let's be honest; she but... probably killed some of them. She didn't care. Yeah, she, I, yeah, I would she imagine. probably didn't care anymore at that point. Yeah. <sighs> man but yeah John's just standing there and I think him and Tyrion have these moments where they're just like there's shots of their face and they're like yeah yeah Varys is right yeah. <laughs> yeah, pour one up for my shit, homie guys we're in it now and I think what, what, one of my favorite memes is just like that Jon Snow look You, everyone probably knows what yeah. that look is during that uh, episode that dopey where it's look just, on his face oh, yeah where he's just oh. like <laughs> They had enough. They had enough money in the budget to burn down King's Landing, enough. but not enough oh, yeah. ghosts to buy. <laughs> 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 oh God! Fuckers. Yeah. Ghosts uh, deserve better. Do you guys have anything else for this episode? Because I can't think of anything. Uh, I mean, there's nothing from the North. I think Tyrion is fucked next episode. Like literally, it's not looking good for him. So this will be my last fan theory. This season is going so horribly that one of the prequels is redoing everything from season six. Oh, really? Yep. I would love that. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. <laughs> it really would. At this point, yeah, yeah. I can. Because you know what? It would still generate them a lot of money. So. You know how excited people would be for a redo? I would, I would be like, yes, this is genius. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's what they wanted. Ooh. Why not just fire them and get new showrunners? <laughs> but see, no they knew everybody was going to watch the season no matter what. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know, I mean, like it... it was it was just entertaining enough the last couple of seasons that people had to know how it ended. If they had started tanking at season six, like no, they had to they had to give us still some good moments, and then now it's they've just phoned it in. But now they get to go back. 10 years from now 
and make all that money again. Well, given how, given last night's episode, how do you guys think it's, who's going to end up on the throne? No, no one. one. Hmm. No one. I don't, I don't think it warrants, I mean, what throne is left? In the red? It's probably buried. No, actually, you know what? The nurse is going to, the, the chair, the throne itself is going to be like perfectly surrounded by rubble. It survived. And it's going to be, the nar- <laughs> yeah, it just survived. The, thro- the throne room somehow miraculously survived. There's going to be rubble all around it. Maybe a few pieces here or there. And, like, Daenerys is probably going to be like, Tyrion, you failed me for the last time. And she's going to want to kill him. And then somebody's going to be like, but we should have a trial. <laughs> and we'll get one last trial for Tyrion. Uh, and then Bronn shows up and kills him. <laughs> so what's the point of Bronn? There is Wait, none. So there really is none. Just fan service. Uh, oh I had gosh. two theories last podcast. One was that Varys would get sold out by Tyrion, which happened. Mm-hmm. And the other was that King's Landing would get destroyed and that we'd have democracy. I hope we get democracy. I still think I that's think... going to be the direction, but yeah. Hmm. I still think we're going to get democracy. I still think it's going to be Bran. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning into it. I think it's Bran. Guys, I still want to know what happened with that White Walker baby. Did it survive? <laughs> no, it's because probably you, dead. You know, re- you know what was really interesting? Like, when the Night King died, it, it was like a... It's kind of like an earthquake. There was like an epicenter, and it went out. But, like, what if there's only a certain... Like, radius? <laughs> yeah, I know the White Walkers aren't coming back, but it's just like, what if somebody survived far up north, outside the radius? <laughs> <laughs> the threat's not really gone. It just needs time to grow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't think Sansa cares about the South or the throne, in my opinion. I think she just cares about the North. So as long as she has her Northern rule, she doesn't really care what happens south of uh, the Twins. Uh, Bran, I, I think he's done. Uh, there's not much. I, I if he ends up on the if Jan Stary, uh ends up true, Jen, I will send you a cake. <laughs> Make a request, Jen. Okay, just gotta. It's okay. It's gotta be cheesecake though. Mm. Okay, that's fine. I don't, I don't like cake. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Whatever dessert you want, I'll send. I'll send. All uh, right. Just send me a link. If Bran ends up. Somehow right, HBO. orchestrating. You've let me everything. down so much already. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, I think Jon Snow ends up north of the wall with Ghost. I don't think he ends up ruling. Yeah, I think Jon Snow goes north of the wall too. I think he oh. kills Danny and he's beside himself with grief and goes to live alone for the rest of his days. Gendry shows up at Storm's End like, hey, I'm the new lord. Daenerys made me. Uh, the the Lord of Storms end, and everyone's like, "She's dead, bro. Um, we don't need right. you." <laughs> um, and then I I don't know what happens with Arya, to be honest. Like, she's one character I'm like I would like to, her to kill Daenerys, but I think they're not gonna give it to her. Uh, I think it's gonna have to be John. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, I agree. Uh, just because that's how things are being set up. I think the most obvious answer is the answer we can expect from most of these um, characters. Yeah. Who? Damn, it's not many characters. Yeah. Oh, Grey Worm. Grey Worm gets out of it a lot. Oh, uh, Tyrion. He's gonna go, go to, what to Probably. Oh, Tyrion. T- Tyrion's yeah. dying. Tyrion's dying. Oh. I think Tyrion lives. I think Tyrion's part of the democracy that decides. Like, I think it's. I think it's his voice that decides on Bran. I'll give you a cupcake if Tyrion survives, because you know it's not cake. 
he's he's a cupcake. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. oh. The last joke of the season. Like, have we I can't wait to get all these yeah. pastries from Bilal. <laughs> oh, uh, Sam, I guess, if we're counting uh, everyone. I, th- I think Sam's done. I think we don't see him anymore. Yeah, probably. I think we saw yeah. we'll, get, we'll, we'll get a shot of him holding a baby, like, you know, Sam the Jr. final epilogues. Yeah. We'll get, like, ten seconds on, like, each character. Uh, we'll get what, <laughs> as it fades in and out. Uh, Sir Davos? I hope he survives. I think he survives. Yeah. I, I think hope, he survives. I really, this. I want him to survive and then open up an orphanage. I, like he's made it this far, it'd be really weird to have him killed for yeah. doing nothing wrong. I could see him but, like, and Arya saving young girls, like traveling together. I, I just, I love Davos. I, I think he, he's just such a sweet character. What if Davos and Arya open up a school of like smuggling and assassination Ooh, training, and yeah. they basically, <laughs> and they train like all the orphans so this shit never happens again. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. Yeah, that would be a nice touch to a hopefully not terrible ending, but low expectations. You think Torment shows back up? Ooh, maybe he no. finds. Does he get word that Jamie left Brienne, and he's like, "I'll come save you," and she'll be oh like, gosh, "No yeah. thanks." <laughs> <laughs> he rides a giant back down to Winterfell. We we see. Oh, it's just like it's like five years later where you see like Brienne holding this baby with a giant red beard. <laughs> that's, that's how I imagine this, their baby to look. <laughs> Oh, one last request. Worst possible ending do you think could happen? John on the throne. Whoa. Yeah. With uh, Danny dead. Actually, yeah, yeah that as, is as, pretty bad. As, as much as I like Jon Snow against popular opinion, um, sure, he's not gr- he's not great all around, but like I still like him. Like he's a he's a good person at heart. Uh, sure, he's not a leader, uh, as many have pointed out. But he's a good person down deep down, hmm. uh, so I like him for that. But yeah, him ending up on the throne against everyone else that we possibly could have had in this scenario, in this yeah. TV show scenario, is not the best. I, I think I think people will be upset. I I'd be like, yeah, you know what, cool, whatever. Uh, but I don't think with how his character has turned out, he doesn't want it. I don't think he should have it. But many people have sat the Iron Throne that have not wanted it hmm. before so curious to see how it goes i yeah also why would anyone want to rule ash yeah <laughs> <sighs> does that I do think it that does it yeah Just about. What, what about you nicole what do you think is the worst um i actually agree i don't really want john on the throne but i would only be okay with it if he decided to then abdicate and be like oh well we should be democratic like what christian was saying but if he ended up on the throne just to sort of rule the way normal everyone else does like nah it's okay no thank you <laughs> Uh, this is my worst case scenario like it's happening as I watch it so I don't really have a suggestion so yeah <laughs> oh gosh yeah what if, if Gendry ended this up on the destruction throne destruction of Danny's character is pretty much the worst case scenario for me too destruction for all the characters there's every single one of them ugh 
I think I would be happy if Gendry ended up on the throne. That would be very unexpected. Uh, <laughs> it would be very confusing, because what would he do? <laughs> yeah, he... No, that would, that's worse than Tommen on the throne. Like, he doesn't know what to do. Gosh, Ed, can you imagine Gendry, like, with people like, yeah, Gendry, you're king now, like, and he shows up to King's would, Landing, yeah. and it's that gif of from Community... <laughs> With Donald Glover's character coming into the room and everything's on fire. This is the yeah. darkest <laughs> timeline. <laughs> hey guys, I brought some armor for. Oh God, what happened? <laughs> and the Dornish show up like we're ready for the last war. <laughs> uh... Oh my gosh! Yeah, we're never seeing Dorn again. Do you think? Can we see Yara Greyjoy? Uh, I think we'll probably see her next week. But I don't think she does anything of value. I think she's pretty much done. Yeah. Oh, boy. I can't believe we're here. Our watch is almost complete. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Um, that does it for the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones. Um, I'm your host, Bilal. You can follow me over on Twitter at Bilal underscore Mion and the work prints over on all social channels at the work print. Nicole, where can uh, people find you? I am on Twitter at N-I-I-X-E. Christian? Uh, just go to the work print and you can see all my tags there. And please read my articles. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless plug of the many things that I write all the time. <laughs> and Jen, where can people... Oh, I, I just want to point out, by the way, before we get to Jen, that she made this fabulous Mother's Day Oh, that Day was awesome. Yes, that <laughs> Uh, so, I was making one for the Clegane Bowl, too, uh, Saturday morning, and I worked on it for two hours, and I didn't, and my Photoshop crashed, <gasps> and I, oh, I no. cried. Yeah, mm. and then I didn't go back and finish it, because I was so distraught that I was, I was like, you know what, never mind. So, but it yeah. ended up being okay, because the Clegane Bowl was kind of just there. <laughs> Yeah, but it was a fantastic poster of like Daenerys versus uh, Cersei and no- number of children remaining, uh, which is a nice touch. <laughs> uh, but like, and I also really like like in the ba- at the bottom you had like the background of like the Red Keep and uh, I thought it was on the right, but it looks really throw. cool. Yes, the Iron Throne. It looks really cool. Um, I- I'm not sure if it did really well or not on socials, but it should have, in my opinion. <laughs> but Jen, where could uh, people follow you? Uh, you. you can follow me on Twitter at Jen Starek. Instagram, same thing. Um, you can listen to another podcast that I do called Super Trash. You can find it on Twitter at Super Trash Cast. Um, and go to theworkprint.com and go read all of Christian and Nicole's articles. They're awesome. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Thank you, <laughs> and as always, like, comment, and subscribe on this podcast feed if you can. Truly appreciated. Thanks, everyone. Until next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Adios.